You are listening to the QSR Web Podcast. Any entrepreneur that suffered a business failure knows how easy it is to let the despair of it all drag you down, which is why Aikshahade's reemergence is not just a sandwich brand owner, but the guy now in charge of a booming West Coast chain is so inspiring. I'm QSR Web Editor Shelley Whitehead, and we'll go one-on-one with Ike right after this very short message. Are you a supplier or a brand working to elevate the customer experience? The Interactive Customer Experience Association connects brands, suppliers, agencies, and more who are working to create transcendent customer experiences. Let's work together to create a better customer experience ecosystem for us all. Join the ICX Association today at ICXA.org. He's been homeless, lived off canned goods from a failed grocery business, and at one time had to sell everything he had. He is Ike Shahada, founder of the 12-year-old aptly named Ike's Love and Sandwiches, because this is a QSR on a mission of love by an offbeat entrepreneur who just will not let rough times keep him down. And he's here today with us for this podcast. Welcome, Mike. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having uh, me. Delightful and delighted to have you. So, you know, after that previous business, the grocery failed and you ended up, I think you were homeless a bit. And how... How do you pick yourself up? Why and how did you reemerge back in 2007 to do a sandwich shop in the insanely competitive San Francisco restaurant market of all things? I made a long list of things, some things that I did attempt to do, some things that I haven't attempted to do that I would do for free. And probably for people out there that want to ask themselves the same question if you're not already literally doing what you love to do. And so on my list was things like snuggling baby animals, uh, eating was on the list, feeding people, talking to people, going on dates. I just made a list of about 40 things that I would do for free. Traveling was on there. And I just went through all those things and, and decided, like, how can I make money doing these things? And I found ways to make money doing all those things. And when it came to, well, what did I want to actually pursue? Well, first, I put going on dates as one of the things on there. So my first, my first uh, pursuit of a career know. was. <laughs> oh no, no, no! It doesn't. It's not like that. I was going to write a book on how to, and I was writing a book, and I actually kind of almost haven't finished. Was how to meet uh, people on online, or how to meet women online, and get them to pay for pay for the first date. And so, <laughs> uh, I figured that was a book that wasn't out there. And it was something that I would totally let people take me out to dinner for free, right? So I started doing that. And then about like, I wanted to interview 100 people or go on 100, uh, 100 dates. And around like date 90 something, I was like, I don't even know if I could sell this. It's, I'm having fun, uh, which is why I was continuing to do it. But could I actually turn it into a career? And then from there, I just pivoted to what was the number two thing on my list was feeding people and eating. And I recalled when I was sitting in the back of the grocery store eating the cans that, oh, well, it actually saved me that the business that I had that had gone out of business had food because then I kind of didn't really have to worry about feeding myself. And so I went to, okay, well, with Ike's, say what became Ike's, if I open up a restaurant, worst case scenario is I could eat my own food and I don't have to worry about, say, starving. 
or being hungry or going to bed hungry, which happened often in the previous, uh, the previous time where I had business and it, w- and it went out of business. And I realized I really do love cooking, like anything. I'll go to your fridge right now and your pantry right now and make something hopefully super delicious for us. Though I also love to feed people and, and talk to people. And so I pivoted to doing Ike's. And that's when I went online and did, uh, like, what do I need to do for food costs? And, and then just opened up the store. But I was able to show up after the terrible first day and in the beginning when there wasn't any business solely because I loved what I was doing. And I already knew that I would do it for free. Now all I have to do is just be there and do it long enough until I either went out of business or until I made it into a business. So it was relatively easy to show up because I was doing something that I loved. And there's things that you do that you love to do that people don't need to remind you to do. Um, even if you're making, not making money off of it, that people don't need to remind you to do. This happened to be one of the things, showing up to work, to feed people and to eat and to make them happy and to use my creativeness in the kitchen to make these crazy sandwiches uh, is what I was doing already at home and for friends for free. So of course I could go up at the storefront doing it and with the hopes of turning into a career. Well, now I can see why you speak to college students because a lot of them don't have that. They've been thought that that you think the money first, but I want to go back to Ike's itself. Um, Where are we today with this chain? I think he said, how many, you know, how many stores, what's your geographic reach, sales, and even what's your franchising percentage at this point? Because you're just beginning cool. that. Yeah, I just started franchising this year, actually. And so we've got 75 units that are, or 71 units that are open. Uh, and out of the 71, 68 are corporate stores. Uh, three are uh, under uh, license agreements or franchise or whatever you want to call that. Uh, we personally, or I personally have six more leases signed uh, currently with the intent of doing more. And currently the stores are in uh, Nevada. We're in Reno and in Vegas. We're in Honolulu, Hawaii. We're in, in that one because I ended up during my homeless phase in Honolulu for a little bit, for a good portion of it. Uh, we're in the Bay Area, California. We're in Southern California, LA, Orange County. We're in San Diego. And in fact, in, in California, we go from Chico, California, which is about three, two and a half to three hours north and east of San Francisco, and all the way down to San Diego, which I'm sure most people are familiar with San Diego. We're in the Arizona, like Phoenix metro area, so Phoenix, Tempe, Scottsdale, Mesa, there, and we're in Texas. We're in Austin, and we're in Houston. The franchising that are signed that are not open yet, we have Utah, the entire state, uh, signed. And we have Miami, South Beach area of Florida signed. Wow. Wow. So things are fueling up fast. And, you know, I have to ask you, sandwiches, sub-sandwiches of that is notoriously rough restaurant category. But I understand that yours have a real live secret sauce that has not only attracted like more than a thousand diners daily to that first little 400 square foot store, but also lots of global love. So I'm wondering, can you give us some info about how this 
type of sandwiches, these sandwiches at Ike's are made that makes people kind of stop in their tracks and buy them? I think it well. So the the main, I guess, secret sauce, pun intended, of Ike's is that I actually cared more when people were coming in, cared more about the sandwiches that they were going to get than probably they did. Where you would come in and you say, I like pastrami and, and bacon or whatever you would say that you would like. And I would go into my mind back from my times looking into the fridges to create something and go, I'm going to create this crazy sandwich, but for you, because this is what you said you liked. Say if you didn't, if you didn't choose one of the ones on the, the menu and we had, colorful names for the items on the menu as well as their interesting ingredient combinations that more than likely you don't see at other restaurants um, to the point where I've actually seen other sandwich places knock off some of my sandwiches, which we've, we have created. And it does come with, so the bread's a huge part of the ingredients. So the bread is one of our specialties, it took a long time working with a local baker in California in the Bay Area to get the bread the way that I wanted to. It took a long time doing the same in Phoenix area with the bread there and, and for, uh, Central California. All these places, it's just a long time of just focusing on the, the important parts, which are the bread. It's a key cog of the sandwich, but also for me, sauces. I'm a East or I'm a West Coast sandwich guy, which means I, I'm not down with how they make sandwiches on the East Coast. Mainly, they make them meat centric and and not uh, sauce centric. I'm the opposite. I think a quarter pound of meat is enough meat for a sandwich <laughs> if it is if there's a, if there's sauce in there uh, instead of this you know one pound and two pound stuff that you find uh, say outside of the West Coast. And so I focus it on flavor. My number one thing and when it just comes to the food, other than making it like I was going to make it for myself, is to make it taste as good as possible. I, I, I reverse engineered food cost. I'd go, okay, I'm going to make this taste the best way it could possibly taste, find out how much that costs me, and then go and decide how much to sell it for. Not, oh, I, wanna, I need to sell sandwiches for $9, so let me go reverse engineer and make it so that fits that price point or $7 when back then we opened it was $7 sandwiches. And so the sauce, I've been working on that sauce since probably like five years before Ike's. Like I've been making that sauce at home. I made that sauce at my market that I had that went out of business. I made it there just for my own condiment. It was like just made my own condiment kind of thing for my own food, for my own sandwiches. And so it's been in development for almost 20 years, the secret sauce, uh, even though Ike's has only been in business for 12. It's a combination of all that that made Ike's, like even in San Francisco, in a place that had a couple thousand sandwich shops on the day that I opened, according to the, the numbers that Yelp used to give me back in the day, uh, that just allowed it so that Ike would get a thousand people showing up every single day in a 400 square foot little hole in the wall, essentially. You mentioned Yelp. You were kind of born right along with Yelp, and you got that kind of love feeding into into your popularity. Um, how does you know? I, I don't want to sound kind of hokey, but how does love manifest itself in your business strategy and your products? So yeah, so love came in. Thanks for asking that question. 
Well, so when, when about, uh, let's see, about three years into the business, and I kind of, kind of uh, had a time to breathe and, and step back and look at the business, we would have 1,200 people, say, on a Saturday and Sunday coming in. And this business is slammed, and now I was at uh, three locations. We are in uh, Oracle, in, which is in Redwood City, California, a little bit south of San Francisco, and then Stanford University. That was the second location, and that's about an hour south of San Francisco. I'm sure you've heard of Stanford, but if you don't know where it is, it's about an hour south of San Francisco. And people would ask me I, the kind of questions you asked me, Ike, so why are you successful? Why out of everywhere, and it was in a down economy, this is 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010. Ike, everybody's closing, everybody's like, it's just going terribly wrong for people in the economic climate. But here you are, you're not only expanding, but people will literally wait in line for three hours for your food. What's the secret? And, and so I started actually like really, I mean, it couldn't be the food. Yeah. I mean, the food's really great, but it couldn't have been that. And because I was on Stanford campus and I'd get asked questions often from the students there and, and other students just about entrepreneurship and success. And I, I pinpointed to the fact and I alluded to before is that I actually cared more about people's food than, than they did. Our staff, same thing. When we make a mistake, there's some mistakes that I know some of my staff still talk about. Oh, remember that one time we made this you know, mistake and it was, oh, we care more about the food that we're putting out than the people that are receiving and paying the money for the food. <laughs> and that's a, 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 just a general like, cultural principle. You come in and we genuinely want you to be happy. But even if we didn't make you happy, we still genuinely want you to be happy. And I realized that it was that we just cared more. And so instead of making it kind of an unconscious part of the culture, I decided, now we're about four years in, to make it consciously part of the title. So everybody knows the, it's on the building because we weren't called Ice Love and Sandwiches when I opened. We were just Ike's Love and Sandwiches because we loved people and we have sandwiches. But then we put it on, on the walls. We put love and sandwiches because that's the difference between Ike's and every other place. And I'm not saying that you can't find places where they care about your food. And I'm not saying that other people don't care about their food. What I'm saying is nobody cares more about your experience than us. Even if somebody offer, uh, is at an elite level in their caring of other human beings, we care more. <laughs> well, it, when you put it right smack in the middle of your name, you kind of have a, a bar to, to reach, so to speak, um, it sounds like. So another brave thing on your part. Um, uh, you know, I read uh, that one of the new stores in Vegas has a kind of high rollers menu and that you introduced a $1,000 sandwich. And I'm just wondering, what in the world do you put on a sandwich worth the grand and has been selling? Who buys it? Well, so we, we've got two price points. We have a $100 sandwich and we have a $10,000 sandwich. Oh, so wow. It's, it's right. So yeah, missed. it's on. Yeah. We don't have a $1,000 sandwich because I figured that I couldn't get the value of $1,000 um, and where I would actually want to do it, too. 
So the hundred dollar, the ten thousand dollar sandwich is basically it's multi, it's more than one sandwich. It's more of a ten thousand dollar. It's more of a ten thousand dollar experience that involves a lot of sandwiches and me and and some other things. And we donate a portion of that to charity as well. And then the hundred dollar sandwich, which is is actually you could just go same day and order it. The ten thousand dollar sandwich, we're gonna need some time to provide that because it does include me. And if I'm not there, then you know you can't just walk in and purchase it. Uh, the hundred dollars sandwich though, we've been selling, we sell about one a day on the weekdays and on the weekends, as many as six. Uh, but the high roller menu is three sandwiches. We've got a hundred dollar sandwich named after Howard Hughes, who was a mentor of one of my mentors um, and also helped out, uh, helped considerably in the Vegas area to, to develop that area and, to, and just be a part of that. Uh, that craziness or whatever, the, the liveliness, the, the bustle, the parts of Vegas that people love. And that's got Wagyu beef on it. It's got prime rib in it, duck bacon, brisket, and the secret sauce that I make just in Vegas, in addition to, say, the dirty sauce, which will be on there. And then I also make a truffle version of the sauce, the Ike sauce for that sandwich. It feeds about four people. Uh, we bill it as feeding one person, though, or for us two pe- feeding two people. Though I did split that sandwich with six, uh, for with five other people. So six people ate it the other day, and I was definitely satisfied. So it's a monstrosity of a sandwich, over two pounds of meat, all premium meats. And then we got a smaller one if your appetite isn't that large. We we make an Italian style combo sandwich, like the. Uh, our most famous sandwich is an Italian sandwich called the Matt Cane. So this is basically an elevated version of that with Wagyu beef and duck bacon as well, uh, truffle sauce and a bunch in brisket and roast beef. And then we have a, uh, the world's greatest cheesesteak. We call it the Royal cheesesteak. It's the queen of Hollywood, the Royal cheesesteak. And that's basically a Wagyu beef, prime rib brisket, m- grilled mushrooms, truffle sauce, cheesesteak. Holy cow. Uh, literally, I guess, uh, in this case. Um, yeah, and the, the sandwich is epically delicious. It isn't just like a big thing to get publicity. It took me a while to work on this recipe because I didn't want to just have like a hype sandwich just to have a hype sandwich. I wanted to have a hype sandwich, and then when you got it, that you would tell people that they needed to order it too, not just because it was a crazy sandwich, but because it was delicious. It's one of the tastiest sandwiches we make. Um, thinking of ways, it's so delicious, I want to find a way to make it that uh, it's less expensive than 100 bucks. Uh, but then I don't know if that'll take away from it or not. But it is one of the best sandwiches we make. And you can share it with at least three other people. Uh, for Vegas, if you're spending 25 bucks on a meal, that's like almost nothing. You throw away 25 bucks on on picking black or something when you go into Vegas on a roulette table. So you can spend it on a sandwich. Interesting. Um, you know, I we have to kind of wrap things up here, but I did before you leave. I absolutely uh, wanted to get this because I guess there are a lot of restaurateurs out there who've heard your startup story and your story through today and strongly relate. Perhaps some of them in these in the kind of shape you were back in November 2007 on that fateful day, uh, Halloween. What would you tell them about the business and knowing whether or not to stick it out? 
Uh, my main piece of just advice or tip is is one that I don't think anybody actually needs any tips. They already know where in their life that they're compromising, where they're not doing what they love to do, and where they're doing other things because they want to take the safe route out. And so if you're do, taking the safety route out, and that's a lot of human beings, probably 97%, if not more, then there's nothing wrong with that. It's just then just be congruent with yourself and not uh, pretend that you are actually attempting to move for your dream or not. And if you do want to move towards your dream, you're never going to actually be ready. Like I was never ready. I'm still not ready. Even no matter how big I put my business plan together to open up Ike's, the first Ike's ended up closing due to permittal issues and there was a moratorium on restaurants. And I'm talking about we live in America. This is in San Francisco, one of the alleged most um, you know accepting cities. But there was a literally a moratorium on restaurants. Like it was illegal for me to own a rest to open up a restaurant at the time that I did. And that wouldn't have ever showed up in any business plan. So just make your move before you're ready. Start like start today. If there's a if there's something you want to do, start today because anything that's going to go wrong, as you know with life, is going to be unexpected. It's not going to be something that you plan for. So just go out and and do what you wanted to do. Start your dream now, and as the unexpected stuff comes up, just uh, create and adjust from there, and adjust and then create from there. But then like the 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 final thing is is figure out what you actually love to do. And likely you already know what it is. You just might not think it's a, it's a way to make money. I mean, I made that list and I put going on dates. I put snuggling baby animals. And I was able to figure out a way to make money from snuggling <laughs> baby animals. By, it, it was the beginning of the internet age. And I thought, oh, hey, there's going to be a baby uh, anteater born in Chicago Zoo. So if I just flew to the Chicago Zoo and took photos and did a blog post about that, and then there was a, a panda or a, um, uh, a bear, a grizzly bear being born at this other zoo, and I could just fly to that zoo, take pictures of it, write about it. And so there's an idea for anything that you love to do. Uh, there's a woman who did the same exact thing where she w uh, put on her list she liked to hang out with her dog. And so she started dressing up her dog, taking him to the park. People started taking pictures with the dog for about five bucks. Then the costumes got more and more elaborate. Now she's making like a hundred bucks a day and then a thousand dollars a day. And then that dog became the Yokero Bell Taco Bell Chihuahua dog. And so if you can make money hanging out with your dog, that, that dog makes like a couple million dollars a year, then you can make money doing anything as long as you love it. Because if you love it, you're not going to give up on it. There's very, very few things that will need to happen for you if you love to something to stop, right? Only super duper emergencies. And you already know what you in your life that you do right now that people don't need to remind you to do or things that you do anyway. And, and some of it might be lame things like sitting on your couch and watching TV. But even that you can make money from, right? You could be a TV show reviewer, you can have your own blog about that. People slowly but surely will start wanting to know what your opinion on watching a movie is. I mean, we have movie critics, we got TV critics, right? So you can literally make money doing anything that you love to do. The only person that doesn't think that is you. So just change your mindset on that. 
Wonderful. You know, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story and your brand story with us today. The sandwiches, though many miles away from me here in the Midwest, sound absolutely wonderful. So hurry up in this direction. Until then, and to our listeners, until next time, hang in there and have some fun in your great restaurant adventures. I'll meet you back here again soon. Take care.